Hello and welcome to Best Behavior Creative Club. I'm your host, Chris McAdoo, and I am just super stoked to have you guys with me today. Um, Best Behavior Creative Club is a podcast for the people who make things and the people that make things happen. Um, we're proud to be a Design Sensory Original production, and I'm joined by producer Brad Carpenter. Hi, everybody. There you go. And our guest today is Marianne Canada, and she's an executive producer over at HGTV, now Discovery, um, many iterations. Marianne, um, if you can just do a sort of a quick lowdown for the folks out there, who are you and uh, what do you do? Well, hey guys, I'm so excited to be here. First of all, uh, just down the street from our HDTV headquarters here in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I'm an executive producer for Discovery's Digital Studios. Um, so I am creating content primarily for HGTV, um, but I also create content for Travel Channel, um, Food Network, and then I'm also um, in charge of one of our sub-brands, which is HGTV Handmade, and that is a, a lifestyle and crafting channel and brand that really is dedicated to making life beautiful. <laughs> HGTV, HGTV Handmade, which currently has a little over half a million subscribers on YouTube. That's right. We have um, we just reached the half million subscriber mark on YouTube. Um, we also have a Facebook community with 2.5 million followers. Wonderful. Um, a growing Instagram following. And we also have a syndicated show on Snapchat. Well, that's awesome. So sort of the the cutting edge of, of, of technology as well as where people are literally experiencing content, where they want to get stuff, where they want to learn. Yes, and giving it to them the way they want it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. So you're all the way there now, but I want to take, I want to, I want to bring us back a little bit. Marianne, you went to um, the University of Tennessee. Go Vols, by the way, for anybody out there listening. <laughs> Go Vols. We're going sure. to the... Sure. <laughs> well, no. I mean, come on. Um, and Yay, you, sports. You graduated <laughs> uh, with a degree in journalism and theater. That's right. Yes. Okay. So uh, tell us a little bit about what led you... I mean, one of the things that you do let's beyond talk about theater. Let's yes. Let's talk about theater. Let's talk about theater. <laughs> Shall we? I have to talk like that. It's part of your degree. <laughs> <laughs> when did you get into what? What it leads into literally is um, from the journalism, from the theater. Um, when did you know uh, that this is something that you liked to be? in front of people? When did you know that you were comfortable speaking and being out there and, you know, being a personality? Oh, well, that's kind of you to, uh, to say that. Um, it's funny because I do feel like you're really born with it in a lot of ways. <laughs> Listen, I have a lot of fears. I have a lot of things I'm scared of. I'm a human being just like you guys. <laughs> um, but speaking in front of people just isn't one of them. It just doesn't make me nervous. The only time it makes me nervous is if I feel really unprepared and like okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so I went to college and like everyone, I kind of bounced around a few different majors. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, and I took a theater class and fell in love with it. And then of course, it's that classic, you know, the the conundrum that all creative people run up against, which is, this is great and all, but how are you going to make a living? Um, that's my dad, if you can't tell <laughs> on my show. Is shoulder. that the dad voice? Yeah, that, that's this. <laughs> no, the dad voice is, well, now, Marianne. <laughs> Theater, What huh? are you, you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do 
after college. Who's yeah. going to take over the family sawmill? <laughs> yes, yeah, there's that sawmill we have to worry about. Um, and so that's when I started really thinking about, well, what's something that, that would parlay and correlate into mm-hmm. this? Um, and, and broadcast journalism was just, um, it, it was just a really obvious fit. From day one, um, I love to write. I like to speak to people. I like to tell a story. Um, the biggest obstacle that I was up against was that I did not have a passion for the news. <laughs> so I interesting got yeah. my degree. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about writing for public speaking. I learned a lot about diction and speaking clearly and engaging with your audience and telling a story. And I learned that I had no desire to be the next Katie Couric, which so many of my classmates did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got those degrees and immediately got a job, a contract job with the National Theater of Slovakia, proving my dad wrong. Thank you very much. Hold up, back up. Hold, do you need to rewind? Hold up, back up. <laughs> Slovakia? Slovakia. Is that a real place? It, it, well, it used <laughs> okay, to be. I know it's a real place. Okay, I'm like, but do we sounds, need to get the globe out? It because... sounds like like Klingon. Like <laughs> yes. So you know, the former Czechoslovakia is yeah. now the Czech Republic, which got Prague. So sure. that's great for them. And then Slovakia, and they were they were hosting an international theater festival hmm. um, for college actors. And I just, in a very roundabout way, had this opportunity to audition and got to be a part of that. And so I missed my college graduation, got on a plane wow. to go to Slovakia. What did you perform? We performed the <laughs> um we performed The Flies, which is a Sartre play, uh-huh. and the Oresteia, which is a Greek tragedy that The Flies is actually loosely based on. Oh. Really lighthearted stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like which, a Greek tragedy which, and Sartre. Slovakia would love because yes. they have no sense of humor, right? Like they just don't. <laughs> there's like, jokes. What jokes? Yeah, the Slovak the Slovak <laughs> people are delightful, but it was it was it was dark. It was. Yeah. I mean, we joked about theater. This was right. theater. Um, <laughs> our director was this very respected Polish opera director. Oh. Um, so our director was Polish. Half our cast was American. Half the cast was Slovak. So hmm. no one spoke any of the languages that we were, you know, wow. communicating oh my in gosh. well. Um, it was really an amazing experience. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about whether I actually wanted to be a stage actress. Sure, sure, sure. Um, that's probably the biggest lesson I learned. So I came home from Europe after my six-month contract was up, and I sold my car, and I moved to New York, just because, why not? To be <laughs> on, the, on stage, to be an actress. Well, that was the story I was telling myself at the time, mm-hmm. was I was going to go to New York, and I was going to get an agent, and I was going to be an actress. But really, I just was like, I'm, I'm 22. I am we are not so simpatico married. right now. I'm sorry. Like what? I did the exact same thing except for the other coast. You went to LA, yes, right? This is when I was like, pretty sure I was. Mm-hmm. Not I was. Tw- a I was. I was 20 person. years old. Yeah, There's... and I was like, I've got, I've got no boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I've, I don't have anyone I'm responsible for other than me. So I really just wanted to live there. I knew I didn't want to live there forever. I just. 
know. Well, there's about to be another correlation because much like Hollywood Brad, you were also a bartender (laughs) in New York City. Mm -hmm. I was slinging those drinks at the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, (laughs) making them dollars. I see. It was corporate America, but dear Lord, I was like. You could just like print money, I was literally walking out Mm -hmm. with wads of cash. Yes. They would put us in a cab at night because they were like, you will get robbed. Oh, I would get. Like you have so much cash I got robbed so many times. So many times. And what we would do. This is hilarious. But I would take I would take 120 bucks out with me to my car every day. And the rest I would keep in the safe. So I would never leave with more than 120 bucks. Okay. Even though I was making 350 bucks. So and this was the robber's that money? Was, so if I got robbed, oh, no. uh, whatever. It wasn't a whole You're race like, of a that's night. Your mu- that's like, it's cost to do in business. Yeah. Well, um, the bar I worked at the longest amount of time, they actually, at 3 a.m., there would be a line of cabs out front. And they would put all, it was oh. all girls. And they would put us all in a cab and send us send us home safely because yeah you don't need to be out in the headed to the subway with like six hundred dollars cash in your pocket at 3 a.m yeah it's not not a good scene so yes i moved to new york and was a bartender okay um and i also um that's when i i had always loved cooking but that's when i really learned to cook i worked i worked um in back of house i worked in a restaurant kitchen um which was fantastic and I did finally. It it took me a while to get my footing. I mean, I moved to New York. I didn't know anyone. I answered an ad in the Village Voice, and kids, that's a newspaper. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I answered an ad in the Village Voice to find my first apartment. Um, so it it uh-huh. took some time to like get my footing and and figure out where I was and what I was doing. And after about a year and a half, I did actually get an agent, which was great. And then September 11th happened. Oh. And the world literally blew up. I mean, I lived below 14th Street. Oh, my gosh. Um, And, you know, production obviously just, like, screeched to a halt. No Mm -hmm. one was going to take any chances on anyone new. A lot of people just lost their jobs. A lot of bars and restaurants shut down Mm -hmm. because people weren't really going out. Um, And that was kind of the beginning of – I only lived in New York a couple of years, and that was really kind of the beginning of – what am I? What am I doing here? Like this is hard, and I miss my family. And you know, it just I moved to New York because it seemed fun. And when it started to not be fun, it was a good indicator that it, maybe it was time to to make look a for change. Else. Yeah. Well, but you wanted to continue your artistic pursuit. You knew you wanted to make something. Yeah. Right. So from from New York, you would you would go to obviously get involved with production well I had a little pit stop in between that's why I'm laughing when you said you wanted to make something because my <sighs> next job was actually with Red Bull Energy Drink oh amazing um, I know <laughs> which which I actually it was a closer correlation than you would think because I worked in the bar industry and at the time Red Bull that was really what they were known for was you know Red Bull and vodka was like the drink right. Of the early aughts. They called it the Brad. (laughs) (laughs) It was Jaeger and Red Bull for the Brad. Oh, tastes just like Dr. Pepper. I know it well. Um, So I actually got into that through my my bartending work. I started working for Red Bull. I ran the marketing team for this area. We put on events. It was, again, super fun until it wasn't. Was it like the X Games and like um, like the Flugtag and yeah. we we sponsored the um, 
the national kayaking team, like freestyle. Food talk is cool. That's like the beginning of experiential, really. I it mean, is. It is. And it really I learned is. a ton because nobody was doing what Red Bull yeah. was doing, mm. which was going into these places and creating these experiences. Mm. Um, and so I, I did that, and it was fun until it wasn't. And <laughs> then I, I really did. I quit my job, and I kind of took a couple of months just to really – figure out what I wanted to do because I had been just I felt like bouncing around without like a clear path mm-hmm. I mean I was I was successful I was making a living um but but none of it felt like a a career that I was growing into um and so I, I took a hard look at my skill set and my connections and um and I decided that as much as I do enjoy being in front of the camera and talking to people um, where I really felt I had a a career, a real career path, was actually on the other side of the camera. Okay. And so I called a lot of people and sat down with a lot of people and took an unpaid internship with a small production company here in Knoxville. Um, because production, like so many industries, is it's like a snake eating its tail. You can't get jobs because you don't have experience, but you don't have experience because you can't get jobs. Yeah, yep. And so I literally was like, you don't have to pay me. Let me be on set. I will do anything if, you can, if I can just put PA on my resume. Hmm. Um, so I worked on a show called Barkitecture that was about building luxury dog houses. Tell Bar- us a little more about that. <laughs> Barkitecture. Barkitecture. Um, I mean, it's really, yeah, it was about building luxury dog houses. And I was often the dog handler mm-hmm. that had to keep the dog occupied while they built the dog house and installed it and everything. The dog fluffer. Oh, uh, well, well, that's something else entirely. And I swore I would never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Although it is funny to me that in in the course of that show that they would just bring the dog on set just like another talent just be like you yeah. wait here yeah and then the dogs just there like, was All one right. house they had five bulldogs oh and gosh. I had to keep those bulldogs out of the backyard which was their domain um, it was yeah it was interesting let's just say it's like middle of the summer bulldogs get very overheated it's a whole it's unpaid a whole scene. Unpaid bulldog wrangler, bulldogs. <laughs> but what, but I did what I do, which is made myself indispensable, right? Until they felt mm-hmm. guilty that they weren't paying me, and then they started paying me, and Amazing. I I literally just used that to that as a stepping stone to get a production coordinator job at then Scripps Networks yep. mm-hmm. um, for their in-house production company, Scripps Productions, and that was thirteen years ago, and I have had six jobs in that company since but all all related to production wow so as the like the state of production and for those of you out there that we we have you know listeners that come from like the design side and from Mm -hmm. the business and and all this this kind of thing Marianne when you're talking about production yes um give us a little kind of rundown about what that looks like it's true right production means different things to different people yeah um for us it's it's cinematic I mean it is the it's truly taking something well especially as an executive producer you are literally executing a creative concept from the beginning from you know the the spark of the concept through the Mm pre-production which is finding production partners to partner with 
um, casting if there's talent involved, finding a location, um, talking through the creative with the, the art director or the prop person on set, to production, which the actual production is, well, unless you're filming a movie. For us, the actual production is one or two days where you're actually shooting the video. But, you know, before you shoot it, you're working with the, the lighting department to get the lighting set up you're working with the production department to get them Mm -hmm. set up you're talking through you know the the shot list um and and then you're actually shooting the thing and then you go into post-production which is actually the longest part of the whole thing sometimes (laughs) it feels like which is just the notes process and Mm -hmm. if you're dealing with i mean you guys work um on the agency side so if if there's an a sponsor or an agency involved, you're the go-between between the production company and the agency. You're getting all of those notes collected, getting everything delivered, and then ideally you're passing something off to a programming team who's putting it, you know. In the right places. In the right places <laughs> and in front of the right eyeballs, we hope. Well, I think one of the most fascinating things about um, production, it's one, of, it's one of my favorite, it's one of like the favorite parts of my, my gig is that you may have a photo shoot or a video shoot or a commercial or this or that. And <clears throat> the work that the pre-pro essentially mm-hmm. that goes up to that day of actual filming is sometimes it's tedious. And then the, pro, the post yeah. is also like, Oh, you know, we so many notes, all that, but the actual day yeah. you could have 30 people running around carrying couches, lighting things on fire, <laughs> you know, handling, oh, sure. where's the bull, where's the bulldog, like all this kind of stuff. But, those are those days where you'll 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 do a 14 hour shoot yeah. and then at the end of it you know a lot of times you're like oh, I, I still got a little more i still got a little more juice here <laughs> right. yeah um, well, it depends on if the right person is in charge if the right person is directing mm-hmm. and not not just the director if the person is in charge of where people are supposed to be yes and letting people <clears throat> do their individual roles yes then it is a great day and you can work 15 16 hours if yeah. not Two hours and you're you're done. Everybody. I have been I have been on sets. Yeah. Um, where I was ready to quit the industry at right. the end of it. Oh so yeah, God. you can certainly have both ways. I really pride myself on even no matter how high pressure, no matter what the stakes are, it's just really important to me that everyone feels valued and heard, right. mm-hmm. um, and that the vibe on set is good. Like that's awesome. just my thing. I just cannot stand a bad vibe. And um, yeah, I just really I really like I like my people. And there's always room for more people, but I'm also pretty quick to be like, yeah. Digital productions in particular, you know, you were talking about like having 30 people and this and that. <laughs> we we operate so lean, yeah, 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 like yeah. Compared to a commercial shoot or a television shoot, mm-hmm. I mean, we sometimes it's just four of us. I like to joke that we have some travel channel productions that I call a Kia production, which is if we can't all fit in a Kia, it's too many people. Because we, that surprises me. Oh, really? Does yes, that shock you? That really shocks How me. How do you think you get around for like no money? I mean, we're shooting things. I shouldn't say no money, but we do. We're very budget conscious, mm-hmm. sure. conscious on the digital side. Um, and you know, we we shot in we shot in San Francisco, and we went to twenty eight locations in three days. Wow! And that's because we all fit in a Kia. Oh my God! Not sponsored by Kia, but you we know, should call be. us. Well, I think <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make some phone calls. <laughs> I think. But too. and we're talking not just me, talent, a shooter, and a local PA, which is key yep. mm-hmm. because she, we don't have to park. Like she can take us everywhere, and she stays with the car. 
We had a bicycle thrown in the back because we were shooting a bicycle tour for part of the day. We had multiple changes of clothes because this was for seven different videos. So, I mean, it's just chaos. But that's when you talk about that energy, though, where you could do more, that's it's what so I much... thrive on. It. I just, I'm not built for being on a huge set where there's one guy whose job it is to plug in the extension cords. Like, and that's why I could not do, that's why I couldn't live in LA and like do that side of the industry yeah. where it's so big that it feels bloated. Well, see, the thing is in LA is you have to be there. Oh, I know because of the, whereas, I mean, I'm just, you know, I joke all the time about like squeezing blood from a stone, but we're just always trying to get the, our bang for our buck because at the end of the day, when finance you know, looks at, at what we're spending, I want to be able to justify every dollar. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, and I think too, as the executive producer, it's like being in the creative director role or another role like that, where um, your role is not just to make something amazing, but your role is to empower other people to do it as well, Yes. which is like the spreadsheet part of it. It is. Right? And it's managing. It yes. Managing people, managing expectations. Yes. It, you know. I mean, that's the double-edged sword. Wah, wah, Foley. <laughs> Wait a bring. I'm going to have to get Yeah, another that. drink. Gonna, we'll do a little. Here's our Foley. Spre spreadsheets little. legitimately, legitimately stress me out. And I could be on yeah. set all day long or be doing a project, doing a pitch. Yeah. And not be stressed, but be working. Right. But I'll take one look at a spreadsheet and I'm like, oh God, yeah. panic attack. <laughs> oh, for real. I mean, literally I, I am, I, I'm pretty cool headed. Like I can keep it together, but I recently got a, a spreadsheet that was full of like great data, mm -hmm. but it was like, if you printed it, it would be, I don't know, 70 pages. Yeah. And I almost cried. I mean, I was just like, I can't, my brain can't <laughs> process that. Like, it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, but then you just take a step back and you cooler heads prevail and, you know, it's all good. But but to speak to to what you're saying, that is kind of the um, the the double edged sword of it all is the mm -hmm. the higher up you get, you know, on the uh, I don't know, what are we calling it? The, the, the production ladder, sure. we'll say. The creative ladder. We'll call it the creative ladder. Sure. So yeah. executive producer is up there, right? You're yeah. you're the end of the line in terms of the whole production process. You know, I approve the video and then yep. they're done. Mm -hmm. um, but with that comes like a lot more what I call butt time, which mm -hmm. is just sitting, just sitting on your butt in mm -hmm. front of a computer approving budgets and, you know, managing people and... You know, I just will, I'll never forget when I got promoted, I was kindly, but was told like, you, you're too high up to like make the crafts now. Like yeah. you, you get to, you, you have to do all this. You have to approve these, you know, you have to sign everybody's like approve the contractor's payroll and, and nitpick these budgets and, you know, go to these meetings and, and these people get to do the. The fun stuff. Well, let's let's it's talk a about off, right. Let's talk about fun stuff for a minute, though, because one of the things that I always I, I like to dig into, especially for somebody that has been creating or been you know gotten gotten to where you are um, for a long time, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you've developed mechanisms, you've developed habits, you've developed things that allow you to maintain that creative spirit. 
right? Because yes. I mean, that can get beaten out of you very quickly. Yes. Um, so what are the, what are some of the things that you do to like, you know, you're going to go in on Tuesday and it's like Tuesday's paperwork day or, yes. or you know, yeah. or whatever. Like, what are some of the things that you do to keep yourself personally, um, you know, personally ready for that next thing? Personally, yeah. you know, that personal creative spirit going? Well, it's funny. The the number one thing that keeps me going creatively is actually a very like boring, tedious aspect of it, which is keeping myself organized. Um, I think that creatives in general, we're you know our brains are just like you lost me. You lost me, right? I know. You Listen, come with me, Brad. We're going on a journey. It's about email folders. Oh. <laughs> Get excited! Oh. <laughs> but hear me out. You lost me. Hear me out. Yeah. I actually feel like organization is an albatross around a creative person's neck because we are so creative, right? Our brains just literally work differently. And we're thinking about a million different things at once. I mean, I'm looking around this office and it's like, I mean, I'm like a kid. It's it's overload. It's it's stimulation overload for sure. And what can happen so easily is you just end up drowning. You mm-hmm. end up drowning under an inbox with 60,000 unfiled emails. You end up, I don't even show me your like red notification. Is it disgusting? Hold on, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to pull it up. <laughs> Chris McAdoo has 56,661 unread emails. For the record. You should just throw this in the trash. <laughs> For the record. That's like 20 years of like a lot of email addresses on this on this particular item. I have, I have twenty emails right now that, that are un, is, that I'm are unclassified. Proud. I'm very proud, Brad. Pitt. Thank you. Ah. <laughs> but that's the only place in my entire life I'm organized. And obviously, <laughs> obviously, everyone is different, and obviously, everyone has their own systems. But for me, that visual like clutter, that visual reminder is like it's just a distraction. So mm. I had to get really hard on myself and become an organized person. Um, I created a whole like email system for myself um, to make sure that I was never not responding to emails. You know, things just fall through the cracks when your brain can't be put in that box. Sure. You know, I'm not an analytics person. I'm not a finance person. I'm never going to be the person you go to to be like, extrapolating data I'm an idea person but you can just get all of that creativity can get crushed under literal clutter but also like technological clutter Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so but you did you said something that I think is super important that I mean essentially like this was not something that was thrust upon you this is a decision you made yes to yes. take control of your creative life, mm-hmm. to control probably of your professional life, of your personal life, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, and so many times what you'll hear from like lifelong creatives is um, there's a lot of moaning. There's a lot of complaining. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of that. Um, and like, I always look for those opportunities, obviously not in email, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, it's always interesting to hear those those habits that you don't stumble into, but those decisions that you make every single morning, I'm going to write X amount of words Mm -hmm. every single morning. I'm going to get up and paint every Saturday. I'm going to spend this much time in the studio. Um, 
like you, like yeah. I'm going to get organized and these are the steps that I'm going to take. Right. Well, and every day I'm going to leave the office with no emails in my inbox. I'm, that's a gift I give myself because hmm. I'm giving myself time. I'm giving myself the knowledge that when I'm at home with my kids, I don't check my email because I don't need to. There's yeah. no, if someone really needed to get through to me, which I don't, I can't think of a reason in digital media that there would be right. such an emergency. Like these banner ads are out of control or whatever. Like, emergency C-section. Uh, oh my God. What are we going to do? The color of the year is not what we thought it was going to be. I mean. Pantone. I, they got me again. But I, I, I know that if people really need to find me, they can. And I don't need to check my work email. I put my work email on the last page of my phone. Mm -hmm. I turn off all my notifications on all email. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh -huh. That's awesome. That's amazing. Because it's there. You can check it whenever you want to, but you don't need to have that visual, like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. That dopamine hit. Oh, somebody. I know. Oh, there it is again. Every yeah. time you go on Instagram and you pull that little mm -hmm. slot machine and it... You know, just yep. like engages your brain. It's a drug. I turned off all notifications except text messages because yeah. I'm not like a total monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, the gift that you're giving yourself is time. Yes. And I think that is one of the, the just one of the coolest things to say, even just as a, um, you know, as a grown up, literally. Um, <laughs> one of the things that changes from the time you're 25 and slinging drinks in New York City to the time that you've got a family and you have things that, you know, take precedence, you know, at the at the end of the day. Um, how has, you know, over the course of, you know, a couple decades as a professional in this industry, how has having a family changed um, not only your maybe your career trajectory but also like why you do it in the first place that's a that's a really good question um i would say it it did make me get a lot more serious which gosh between like organization and getting serious i sound like the most um uptight boring creative on the planet um but hear me out <laughs> it but it did i i went through this period in life i mean even when i got into production it was on a whim I mean, I, I took this job in Europe because why not? And I sold my car and moved to New York because let's just see what happens. I took that job with Red Bull, mostly because it got me back down to the southeast, mm -hmm. which is where I wanted to get. But also it was like, well, that seems interesting. I got into the other side of production because I didn't know how it worked and I wanted to learn. Um, so a lot of my drifting was fueled by curiosity you know but also it was aimless mm -hmm. um and so having kids i mean i have a 10 year old and a six-year-old now it one it made me really think about how i am spending my time mm -hmm. and what is really important um and you know my husband works my husband works part-time he's the one who's like the primary caregiver with the kids like the day-to-day -day, picking him up from school and and all that stuff um which is crucial. I don't know how families with two full-time working parents do it. It's it's just an amazing feat to pull off in general. Um, but I did. I started to get really selfish with my time. And mm -hmm. I mean selfish in a positive way. Right. Because I just started to really think about what is worth putting your energy into. And I want to do the best I can at my job. I want to do well enough that they want to keep me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to grow. I want to advance in my career. But I am a 
also like I'm not a transplant surgeon <laughs> or uh, you know like trying to cure cancer so I'm pretty sure my work for the most part can stay at the office yeah. like I work for the internet I work for the internet amazing it's just like at the end of the day I work for that's what it says on my Instagram bio I work for the internet because <laughs> that's great you know, and there's, trust me, if you've been on the internet, there's nothing on the internet that is worthy of your <laughs> like time. answering an 11 <laughs> o'clock at night phone call or whatever. Truly, there's nothing. I, I do I do a lot of influencer work. And so mm-hmm. when I get emails from people at 8 o'clock on a Friday, I write back, it's just people doing selfies. That's all it is. And I sit it back and I go hang out with my family. Yeah, it's just the internet. I say that all the time. I um, I I have worked with production companies who come from a, a TV background or or you know these these directors who are so talented mm-hmm. wildly talented went to film school good for you and they're oh and there's ooh and there's a shadow over there and i have to be like it's just the internet i'm going home at 5 yeah we're wrapping <laughs> at 5 o'clock that shadow is fine this is a 2 minute craft video and in 2 hours there's going to be a new one so, you know, finished is better than perfect. Yeah. And 85% is a B plus, guys. Like, I always want to feel like I do my best, but sometimes you have to just be like, guys, this is good enough. It's usually a, here's a sports analogy, a game time decision <laughs> where we'll be in the middle of a, we'll be, in the, we'll be in the middle of a video though. We, this happened to me literally last week. We were in the middle of a video. <laughs> Um, our on-camera talent, she was she was struggling. She had developed the projects. Two of them were just like not really coming together. The video was starting to look like it was going to run a little long. And I was just like, guys, let's just do three instead of five. And everyone, mm-hmm. oh, we can do that? And I was like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you I'm know what? literally telling you, you can yeah. do that. <laughs> and you know what? Next time when you're working on the project and two of them are just not working out, let's talk about it on the front end. Let's not wait until we're in the studio. Mm-hmm with the cameras rolling to be like, this isn't really working. Because again, like there's nothing, there's no one behind us that's like, oh, I don't know. You right. said you were doing five miraculous glue gun hacks and now you're only doing three. <laughs> like, what are we gonna do? <laughs> no one's, no one knows, no one's, no one's keeping track. Like we there have, not- and we have that freedom. We're so fortunate yeah. to have that freedom. We're not doing a whole, we have to have 21 minutes and 30 seconds of runtime because we're a network TV show. We, It's the internet. You're, you're speaking my language. You I have, made a two minute speaking, video and I made a four. You're right now. Yeah. You remember, remember on Friday when they were doing the cocktail video upstairs? Like, they were, it was like they were filming the Mona Lisa. And I was like, <gasps> he's making a cocktail video. Like, what are we doing? You're like, have you gone on YouTube? There's a guy who's literally shooting it with his phone. <laughs> he has 14 million views. And it looks like garbage. Like, let's all just take a step back. Seriously. And look at what we're doing and just enjoy it for a minute. Well, there's your enjoy it for a minute, right? Yeah. Because you, you, you talked about how like you like a great vibe on set. I do. I am 1,000 <laughs> percent uh, in agreement. And I, and being able to know that that's something that you value. Yes. 
right? Like you have to take a stand on that above other things, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You want people, if you are going to spend 12 hours, you know, a a day shooting, uh, you know, something, or if you're going to be in office, like why would you not work to make the experience enjoyable? Why would you not want to do the best job that you can and like be nice to people? Oh Oh my gosh. A million percent. I mean, that is honestly like if I live by one thing, it's like, don't be mean. Just be nice. No matter how stressed out or how bad your day is going i mean whatever whatever factors yeah. i think i do think it helps like i i mean you joked about being a grown-up like i'm a grown-up I've, I've been through some like awful things you know my son is a cancer survivor he mm-hmm. had cancer when he was a baby we spent a year in cancer treatment with like very low chance of survival and we got through that i'm like guys life is too short to be mean to people, but also the the people that are making those choices, that's coming from a place of like unhappiness as well. So while hmm. I try to I try to live personally and professionally in a place of being kind to people and being generous, that generosity extends to cutting people some slack when they are making choices that I would not make. <laughs> well, I think what you what you learn there is mm-hmm. especially from from your son, from Hugo, mm-hmm. um, 2014, right? Yes. Is 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 when when all of this happened, and we are talking about the internet. The internet can be a a crazy place, but it can also be like a place where I think you guys found a lot of amazing community and support. Yes, we did. It was crazy. Um, you're right. Like the internet can be a really dark place, um, and <laughs> and it can definitely be. Um, it can show the worst of humankind um the worst (laughs) but it also it does let me back up i think people are so desperate for connection because so much of what we do on social media of what we do online it's all false connections right like you're not you're not actually the only way people can interface the only way people can get that you know serotonin that you get from like connecting with a person is actually face to face watching and scrolling through Instagram and double tapping someone's picture, we're, we're desperate for that connection and it's not real. But this is a great example of, of a way that people can come together and can really support people. I mean, I've just never seen anything like it. I remember my dad coming over to my house, just tears in his eyes because my dad, I mean, he's, um, he's, he's like a young baby boomer, I would say. Um, so <laughs> I know, and boomer is such like a bad word, but that's that's his that's his age range. Um, and he just came over, like tears in his eyes, and he's just like, I've just never seen anything like this in my life. I never thought I would see anything like this in my the, life. The context being um, is that the community there was a groundswell of support. There was a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, there was you know hashtag Go Hugo. Yeah. Um, there we were came celebrities. To, there were, it that's was crazy. A, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We came to the con- we came to the concert. There was a benefit concert at the Bijou, <laughs> you know, at the Bijou Theater, yes. but. What it, I don't know, it's just a really, what it showed was a strength of, like you're talking about of generosity and of character yeah. for you guys to have come out on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it seems to have informed even stronger your your take on, I'm going to be generous with people. I'm going Certainly. to take my time. My time is valuable. Mm-hmm. You know what? So is yours. Mm-hmm. So let's make the most of it while we're here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I really do. I really try to cut people slack. Whereas I think in the past I would have, 
made rash judgments against people and I really do try to step back when I find myself falling into that trap. It's like very human of us, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it, it did. It What it really showed me, and I this is something I try to remind myself now because I feel like we're more divisive than ever, right? Mm-hmm. Like the stakes are higher than ever. Everything feels so fragile and, and perilous. And it what it shows me is that people really do want something to band together around even though right now there's so many like there's two sides you know and and nobody nobody can fathom bridging that gap Mm -hmm. between those two sides but it did it just showed me that that it is possible i mean the people that supported us trust me were from all walks of life and we got just as many evangelical people praying for us over here as we did people recommending crystals and coffee enemas over here and i didn't fully agree with either of them (laughs) you know somewhere in the middle but somewhere in the middle there was my little boy and these people who cared about him who cared about our family um but but along with that it it did really make everything super clear for Mm -hmm. me in terms of again like my time and what's actually important yeah um everything got really clear and i remember one of my colleagues when i when i when the dust had settled and I was back in the office full time and, you know, I was kind of talking to her and she was struggling through something. And I, I was like, well, you know, it just, it doesn't really matter. And she was just like, Oh, you know, you, you could write a book. And I was like, yeah, but that's the book. Like none of this. You just wrote it. Really? Matter. You just wrote the book. Right. <laughs> like, like care and be passionate about what you're doing. But none of this is like the real stuff. Yeah. The, the, the real stuff, again, it comes down to that. Like, how do you treat people? Right? How do you treat people and how do you lift others up? Um, if you're at work or wherever, how do you, instead of stomping down, yeah. how do you lift up? Yes. Like, this is how we're all going to make this day great. This is how we're all going to make this project sing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that in and of itself, being able to just look at life that way, mm-hmm. that sure. helps you. I mean, to me, like, that helps you keep that creative spark, that creative energy going, not just when you're young, but when you're in the in the midst of your career yeah. and you know there's nothing cooler than um to me at least like experiencing somebody or talking with somebody that's done this for like 40 years and they're still like yeah this is this is fun this is the fun stuff guys yeah like this is this yeah. is this is a great job to have or this is a great you yeah. know i said it last week i mean we were making like <laughs> wedding cake toppers and i was like this is so fun this look is what, a job look what we people get to have. do like guys this is the best well, to to kind of to bring it back into um, the sort of bring it back into the the present day. One of the questions that we always do like to ask is like, "What's next?" Oh, yeah, for you guys. Well, I guess it can be a two part. It's it's not just what's next for you and for HGTV and handmade, um, but it's also like, do you see any? Let's talk trends. Oh, there wow. we go. That's my favorite part of the episode. Oh, here we go. I love it. Really? Sit back and listen. Oh my. Expertise. Um. Well, that's interesting that you say expertise because I feel like in digital, in particular, this is this is a time of absolute chaos, and I don't mean chaos in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, especially if if you have like a a history working for digital brands, like right. we kind of went through like the wild west, right? Where no one knew how to monetize anything on digital. Um, 
no one really knew what to do with video. Like there was this period where it was just kind of like we were just kind of throwing stuff out into the black hole of the internet and like seeing what would stick. And then in the past a few years, you know, there was this big pivot to video and things got a little bit clearer and mm -hmm. people got a better idea of how we can monetize things. And people started actually making money on the internet right. that weren't just tech bros, like making products and websites, you know. And now we're in, at, at least as someone who works for um, what is primarily a cable network, now we're in this, this new frontier again where linear television is making this big swing and and kind of casting their eye on digital because every you know people are cutting cords mm -hmm. cable consumers are dropping off everyone's panicking everyone's looking for that audience everyone's looking to digital pioneers like Netflix you know who are who are retaining that audience um, in a way that everyone is finding really um, really interesting and so I think what's coming next is you're just going to really see the lines between TV and internet blur more than ever. Mm -hmm. um, it's always been linear television and digital, linear television and digital. And I just really think in the next year or two, everything is going to really come together, which is very interesting to me because I'm, I'm an internet person, guys. I mean, I am a, I, I am a self-admitted. I've never had cable since I left my parents' house. I was an early internet adopter. I was on AOL chat rooms like back in the day. Um, so it's interesting for me because people have always asked me, "Well, why are, you're so good at making content? Why aren't you making TV shows?" And I'm like, "I don't want to make TV shows. I like the content I'm making because this is the kind of mm -hmm. content I want to watch." So it's going to be very interesting to me to see those those worlds merge and kind of see what comes out of it. I'm really excited, though, because I feel like if I've learned anything in the past couple of years is that, is that there's room for all of it. Mm -hmm. There's room for scripted television. There's room for reality. There's room for DIY content. There's room for all of it. That was one really exciting thing about Discovery acquiring scripts mm -hmm. is Discovery is a huge company. It's a global company. Um, and, and you really, it's so exciting to kind of see all the different avenues that they can take. I mean, they're the, they're the distributor of the Olympics in Europe and all of Europe. Gosh. So, so now like I work for a company that has a stake in the Olympics, you know, it's just, we've got, there's Oprah, there's, you know, they just signed Dax Shepard to like Motor Trend and they've yep. got Tiger Woods Oh yeah, on he's, the he's down channel. in like Mexico right now, yeah. uh, driving, uh, yeah, driving dune buggies or something. Yeah. It's, it's I think it's time for an HGTV slash Shark Week crossover. Oh, yeah. We've been pitching it forever. Like, I mean, what? Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously. There's got to be something there. Like. Well, that is cool. Like, I think you're at an interesting place working for such a large company with so many distribution. Yes. Like like so many distribution channels. And now trying to figure out literally how to line all those up. Yes. Where the people are and what they want to mm – -hmm. what the folks – what the, what the people, the audience hasn't even thought of yet. Yes. Well, like we just launched the Food Network Kitchen. Um, okay. Which my colleagues at Food Network have like devoted their lives to um, as well as several people in our digital department. And it even trickled down. My team produced 
two series for Food Network Kitchen. But they're, um, they're really trying to align themselves as the Peloton of cooking. Mm. So the idea here is it's not just you can go and you can just you can search lasagna and watch a cooking video of someone making lasagna. But the really, I think, innovative thing that they're doing is they have all these live cooking classes. So ahead of huh. the class, it'll be like at 5 p.m., Bobby Flay is making chicken enchiladas. Here's your grocery list. And then... It's the opposite of everything we've done in digital. Whereas, you know, it'd be like a two minute video and like you snap and everything's chopped. Amazing. You're cooking in real time with Bobby Flay. He's in your TV, he's on your app, he's on your Amazon, um, your your Echo Show. And he's saying, now we're gonna chop up the chicken and you're gonna cut up the whole chicken with him. There's no swap outs. There's no, you know, working ahead. It's a real, it's an authentic experience. And there's Q&A. The audience can interact with him. Huh. So he'll be answering questions while he's cooking. That is really cool. This is all it's, through the Food the Food Network app. The Food Network Kitchen app. The kitchen, it's a brand I'm sorry, new I'm app. sorry. Yeah, Food yeah, Network it's Kitchen app. It's a brand app. new app. Um, it's also like on your Roku. It's, I mean, yeah. it's available. It's a direct-to-consumer platform. So it's... Um, you need to get yeah. the Peloton girl to have her own cooking show. God. Right. With like the with like the mean husband in the background I telling know. her what to make. I, <laughs> I mean, you saw that aviation ad. Right oh yeah. After, oh yeah. Right? Ryan oh, Reynolds. Brilliant. He's brilliant. A genius. He's a genius. He, that was the most brilliant thing. That was the most so brilliant fast. pivot. So fast. Yes. They were on Man. it. And that's what I love. Like that to me is we're not getting bogged down in the perfect. We're just acting. I don't know if you guys saw like Netflix asked. This was yesterday or the day before on Twitter. They it, it was like. As a brand, what's like the the most racy thing you've ever said, you mm-hmm. know, that's applicable to your brand? I can't mm-hmm. remember the exact tweet, but all these brands came in with these really like like racy, you know, risque <laughs> uh-huh. tweets. HGTVs was does the carpet match the drapes? You know, it was really funny, um, but it was really it was. I'm so, blushing now. I know it's so tea, but it was so fast, and I think that's um, it's exciting to see these bigger brands not be so precious, yeah, and just like get something out and get that engagement and like and like try to capture that lightning in a bottle and don't take you know six months of ideating to like get to the perfect logo i'm gonna i'm gonna cry are you gonna do we need to brad is getting you are speaking my language i'm gonna just have this podcast on repeat in my office brad's gonna come work for me now (laughs) it's gonna be great (laughs) well the thing that 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 really strikes a chord with me about so much about what you're saying it's regardless of like we have industry words platform we have Mm -hmm. things that we say that we get used to saying but what it really comes down to is experience and connection yes can you elevate an experience can you make somebody's day better by providing whatever it is that you are providing yes and like yeah like cooking you know i'm gonna set that up but i'm gonna cook along with bobby flay he will probably be disappointed in me i'm sorry bobby <laughs> but but like to, bobby to, flay would be very proud of you I'll, I'll i've take met it. him he is a stand-up guy all right i'll take your word for it <laughs> but i i think what it what it amounts to is storytelling takes precedence and what we want is for not just to tell people about like this is a product we have or this is a show that we do or this is it's like no 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 you get to be part of this story well right and it's it's remembering that at the other side of this black box in your hand is a person Mm -hmm. holding it yes 
there's a person consuming it because it's so easy. You you read the comments, whatever, and you're like, okay, Pamela, like <laughs> we'll get the manager. It's fine. Like, you know, like maybe I just I just want to tell people all the time. I'm like, go find. Go find entertainment elsewhere. Yep. This is not for you. You seem so unhappy. <laughs> you seem so concerned about this Halloween project that we made. Perhaps you should find find success elsewhere. Move on. <laughs> find success elsewhere. <laughs> Pamela, might I might I suggest that you I don't know go outside. <laughs> like, Pam, it's time to do a little little sun, get a little sunshine. Oh my god. You just and that is I mean, there are so many people who are like, don't read the comments, don't read the comments. And I'm like, oh no, read the comments. Like, there are nuggets to take away in there, even in the really negative ones. Well, we have now uh we we've we've kind of learned what brought you right to, to where you are. Um we've talked about why not, which is like, I'm gonna go to New York or I'm gonna you know, all of these things, these decisions that you made. Um we talked about our, our big wins, we've talked about what's next and we've talked about the things that matter to you right, right. which I, I think that inform both your professional life as well as as your personal life and so i always like to kind of wrap things up with um you know a, a question that is like you've come this far and you've probably you've obviously dealt with you've dealt with a lot both great things amazing things as well as hard things what do you tell somebody that's that's coming up that's trying to find their voice that's trying to find their place in in the it, it could be in the creative world it could just be somebody that they feel um they've got something to offer and they're trying to figure it out yeah that's a great question um i have been fortunate enough to um to be in a position now where I've been able to be a mentor to, to people or we've had interns come through. Um, and I always, it's such a hard thing, right? Because I, I'm, I may be old, but I'm not so old that I don't remember like wanting to break into the industry, working for free, being that person mm-hmm. who's like, you don't even have to pay me. I just need to be able to put PA on my resume. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, that's not that far away for me. I remember that. Um, I also know that I've I've gotten to where I am and it has it is like steps that you have to take and it's not it's not just straight up a ladder. It's there's peaks and valleys and you're gonna <laughs> three steps up and four steps back. And and the biggest thing I once had someone tell me, um, she was further along in her career than I was, and she was picking up trash on set. And she was just like, every time I have an intern or something that only wants to do the fun stuff, I'm like, I'm the boss, and I don't even get to do all the fun stuff. And and then the real, you know, the real, um, I was going to say mind fuck, but that feels like a really gratuitous curse word. Yeah. <laughs> we, we made it literally. Like, I, I know. <laughs> I was like, God, I really. All of a sudden we just get super um, aggressive. I'm like, <laughs> like, but you know, the, the real, um, I can't think of another word. What is wrong with when me? It fits. It fits. <laughs> and when, yep. The interesting part of it is you, you get to that point, you do the not fun stuff so that you can get higher up, so you can be the boss. And guess what happens when you're the boss? 
you're back to doing the not fun stuff because somebody has to approve those budgets and somebody has to fill out those spreadsheets and somebody has to keep the train on the track and be the one who's in charge and be the one who's ultimately accountable. So if I was going to give advice, I would just tell people there's no job too small and never lose that. I still pick up the trash. (laughs) I still will go make a coffee run if there's, if somebody needs coffee, I, it's if you if you have the right attitude, it's all the fun stuff. Well, Marianne, where can um, where can everybody go to learn more about uh, about you, about HGTV Handmade, and about like the Food Network Kitchen, all the stuff that you guys have going? Yes, I highly recommend everyone um, if you are interested in in food and cooking at all. Food Network Kitchen, you can um, download it. I believe there's a free trial membership, but it's a really reasonable price. Um, it's it's really fun. We're, they're doing some really interesting stuff. HGTV Handmade, um, our full-length episodes are on YouTube. Highly recommend it. Four episodes a week. Um, it's I know it is a machine, a content machine. Um, we've got really amazing creators. We're doing all kinds of projects for all kinds of skill levels. Everything from crafts to decor to entertaining. Um, as far as me, I am at Marianne Canada, Canada just like the country, across all social media. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, it's a lot of like my new puppy <laughs> and the house we're renovating. So, you know, if that's your thing, like by all means, um, follow along there. All right, internet, you got your <laughs> you got your call. Um, everybody out there, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you got a lot out of this. I certainly did, and I cannot say thank you enough to Marianne Canada for joining us. Um, everybody, uh, this has been Best Behavior Creative Club. It's a podcast that is an original design sensory production. Um, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.